This is podcast 243, entitled Hitchcock Railway, and you've just heard Jill O'Hara, I think one of the most heartfelt and creative um, uh, singers of the Broadway stage of the, you know, the last 30 years, sing Dead End from the original off-Broadway cast recording of Hair from 1967. And in it, the hippie Sheila, played by Jill O'Hara, is... um, warning anyone who attempts to get between her and Claude, who is one of the two male heroes of the famous musical, which is, by the way, was originally written as a passion play for reasons that relate directly to the uh, co-writer of it, which is another podcast altogether. But this passion play uh, in which Sheila and Claude have an uh, iron bond, in theory, um, Sheila tells anyone who even thinks about coming between her and her true love can expect to be shot, live wire, um, detour, dead end. All trespassers uh, you know, will be shot on sight. Uh, she is uh, laying around her relationship a uh, uh, an embargo and a foreboding group of signs that say no trespassing whatsoever. And the reason I've chosen this... Uh, uh, to um, begin a short cast entitled Hitchcock Railway. Golly, that's a lot of information, but it all applies to what I'm attempting to bring out. 
is that the um, the human uh, predicament uh, in uh, Christian Orthodox terms understands people to be so deeply self-deceived and so deeply full of impulse and uh, um, deep-seated um, self-protective and often aggressive impulses, known sometimes as id impulses, that uh, they are capable, we are capable of things that are so, um, drives that are so strong and so compuncted, to quote James Gould Cousins, so compelled almost by forces within that they will uh, actually um, uh, compel a person to jump that fence, to brave the live wire, to think that he or she is an exception to the rule that all will be shot on sight and somehow think they can they can do it. They can get between those two people even though every single indication has told them there is no possible way they can get away with it. Whether it's a theft, whether it's an adultery, whether it's a... Um, it's a plan to undo somebody else, to unseat someone else. Um, there is no word to the normal human being strong enough to overcome certain voices and powers within us that are, are uh, just non-negotiable. And why I am drawn to this this week is particularly because of the young man in Austin who planted the murderous and lethal bombs. He was 24 years old. And what is so interesting about him, a tragic character who um, who committed these criminal actions, um, he gave no indication whatsoever to anyone, so far as we know. It had to be somebody. But it's possible to be driven by... Um, possessed, you might almost say, by impulses and thoughts and fantasies that no one ever finds out about until it's too late. They will always surface because people are like pressure cookers and with the passage of enough time and enough external circumstances which inevitably will come, whether you're standing in line at the DMV or whether you're, you receive a, a terribly unwelcome letter or whether you're rejected in a love affair or something terrible happens to someone you love or you lose a leg, um, some uh, exterior um, force will cause eventually, with the passage of time, uh, the deepest um, landmines to explode inside you and something terrible will happen. That is a a rule, I would say, of life that is not uh, to be, there are no exemptions. If the forces on you are strong enough, that hidden thing will have enough gas in the engine to attempt to break through the dead ends that Jill O'Hara is so artfully, playfully, and brilliantly, and non-negotiably, and venomously, or shall I say, with extreme, uh, you know, she's speaking with extreme sanction about what she expects others to do. Now, that um, is to say that all the dead end signs in the world, uh, no exit signs in the world, are insufficient to override certain impulses inside people. And these impulses, the tragedy pastorally, is that almost everyone, or many people, especially hurt people, and many are hurt, many are deeply hurt, not all, but many, um, many are hurt, and these impulses are, are in many people, but they're, they're so, um, there's such a um, deterrent in the world to saying what they are for fear of being caught, but more likely for shame. You don't want to say things about yourself that humiliate yourself. You don't want to say, well, you know, three weeks ago I had this terrible thought, or I got into this awful habit that was not characteristic, but I still couldn't stop doing it, or I... um, 
I began to think thoughts in this direction, or I, I began to write a letter that might have gotten me in terrible trouble, or I began to plot a scene, or I began to think of making a phone call that would have been just not at all serving the best interests of anyone, and most especially myself. But these thoughts began to come, but I didn't have anyone to tell them, and I'm not going to tell them, gosh darn it. I absolutely will not tell you. It would take a, a miracle to get me to, to tell anybody. And incidentally, this is why often in literature and in movies, uh, deeply held confidences and secrets are, are told to perfect strangers rather than to, um, to people with whom you are normally intimate. Uh, Hitchcock's movie, um, Hitchcock uh, Railway, Hitchcock's movie Strangers in a Train um, is about a, two people who've never met before, and yet one of them decides to tell the other something extremely major and heavy and improper and difficult and shameful and, uh, because he won't tell anybody else. He wouldn't tell his mother, and he wouldn't, doesn't have any friends, and he's not going to tell anybody else, maybe a clergyman, but he he doesn't know any clergyman, and he's afraid in that event, so he, he shares it with a casual stranger or Somerset mom stories. I, I can think of two, maybe three, including the briefcase, but there are two others in which a man has something terrible, just a terrible story to tell about something he's been involved in that is just the uh, dreadful, uh, deeply upsetting event and situation and relationship, and he can't tell anyone, but he ends up telling a perfect stranger, who in this case is Somerset mom, the narrator, who's a good listener. And that one of the things that happens is that people who have something to say don't share it because no one listens to them. And I would not be surprised whether this young man in Austin felt in some level that no one really cared what he was really thinking. And at some level, no one who cared for him really, really could listen. Or there was no one there who was really, uh, I don't know what, uh, reflective enough or sensitive enough or uh, um, sort of uh, mirror-like enough to pick up that something was wrong in the force. Something was disturbed. And just tell me, and you're more than halfway out of it. If you never tell me, then it's going to fester and it really come can come forward in a in a distressing acting out we were um uh, we were having dinner with someone we really knew well and really loved in an early phase of our ministry and this uh person's uh, this woman's uh, son was someone we cared about very deeply too and this single mother and her son we were really devoted to and she was a devout christian uh, as well attended a, a regular bible study in our home and it, it, she was so important to us and one night we were having dinner with her and i could tell maybe in retrospect that something wasn't quite right, but that was all in retrospect. Um, she did say that she had been reading something that, and I thought to myself much later, well, I should have picked that up. She told me what she was reading, and it was something that a normal person, everyday person, would not read unless there were a reason to. It was a famous uh, poem by someone, but not that famous. And when I realized later what she'd been reading, I should have picked it up, but I didn't. And the following day, this woman, whom we deeply loved, uh, threw herself out of her um, the apartment in which she lived. She committed suicide and fell 19 stories and was instantly killed. And um, it was an action that seemed so completely uncharacteristic. And no one that she knew, at least no one that we knew that she knew, had picked up on it. Not a soul. We were completely surprised. And, uh, oh, some cynical people said this or that later on. But And something had caused it. Obviously, you don't do that without some degree of pain uh, coming into your life or a surfacing that is so great that you simply cannot stand to live any more longer to have one more second of dealing with the pain it's that great you must extinguish it by an act of this nature but i mean she left a son and she left 
question since she left her life and she died. And that um, I realized then that I, I didn't know this person at all. And that's why I keep bringing back the penultimate shot in Citizen Kane. I mean, you may think it's I'm beating a dead horse, but it's not a dead horse. If you haven't seen it, you really owe it to yourself to see it. Because just before the final shot where we are finally able to find out what was bugging this man, what was disturbing this man, what caused this man such unbelievable pain from the time he was six years old to the time he was 66 years old and got worse. The the, the passage of time, time did not heal. Time does not heal all. Uh, Time does not heal all wounds. And this particular wound in his soul was so great that it actually got greater, partly from from the event that he never told anyone. He couldn't. He held this little snow globe in his hand, which represented it to him. But no one knew because there was no one had ever really asked. And this is something you really need to be aware of. Don't do all the talking. Uh, uh, Listen. Uh, Because what what if you had something that was really important to you? You know, I'm thinking about committing suicide, or I'm thinking about leaving my husband, or I'm thinking about... Um, you know, uh, committing this particular action or writing this particular letter or making this particular phone call or doing some very, very important but risky action uh, from some need that I have. Uh, and I would, would love to be able to tell somebody who, who, at least just telling it, in the telling of it, it changes form, it contour, it changes weight within yourself. But if you never tell anybody, then the chances for it just finally bursting out in some appalling action. And sometimes it really is suicide because people often commit suicide without actually thinking about it. Something clicks and it's, uh, and, but they've never told, oh, you know, unexpectedly he shot so-and-so or completely out of the blue, our neighbor took his own life and one of his children. You, you read these terrible things and you, and they are explicable. They're explicable in the sense that something was on this person's mind of a very deep nature around which there was a no trespassing sign and the pressures became so great within that it exploded and he had been smiling you know smiling faces remember that song the smiling faces what's what's the group love and i forget the group from the 70s smiling fate but you know deep down there conspiring against you you know brutus and caesar um and deep down these these voices are speaking all the time and unless they come out uh, your voices and only through a good listener will it happen and if you don't the opportunity in you is lost and you may find yourself acting with extreme um uh, out-of-character violence or rapidity or um, unpredictability or or really self-damaging, self-destructive, and finally... it can be the end of your of your whole life and career. You can lay it all down because you never came out with it. So the young man in Austin, the failure to deter on the part of Jill O'Hara's very heartfelt and very, very strong um, sanctions uh, represented by the signs. It's a very funny song. Listen to it again. The part about mad dog, blind man. That is so funny. Um, it's not enough. You know, you go to a junkyard. There's a junkyard dog is supposed to kill you. If you That's supposed to prevent you from going into a junkyard and robbing a car of, of some combustion engine or a gasket or something. Uh, it, it's not enough. Uh, you've seen American Graffiti. You know, you've, you've seen... Uh, what is it? Doesn't it play a big... A mad dog that doesn't actually act, doesn't that play a big part in... Um, 
Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Well, I'll leave it with you. And uh, I also know that if you can be a listener to someone else, and certainly if someone else is a listener to you, because that's where it really counts in terms of you, the listener, um, then it then something very powerful can happen. But unless something like that happens, forget it. And uh, these things are so deep that they take a miracle of God to prevent themselves from monopolizing your entire life. Griefs, losses, hurts, resentments, bitternesses, they can last your entire life and they'll go with you beyond the grave and you won't be able to die well because you'll, you'll be attached still to that resentment and it'll be very hard for you to say goodbye. You know, George Harrison died the perfect death. You, if you can say goodbye because you're no longer attached, it's usually something very a hurt. It's very often a hurt. can be a person, but it's often a hurt in connection with a person. If you can't let that go, you will die. Where you're going afterwards, you, you're gonna, it's going to need work. You don't want to be attached to that. You want to be able to say Geronimo and jump out of the uh, airplane with your parachute, and God will catch you. But if you're too attached to something that's never come out, uh, God forbid. And that's why I said this podcast. Now we're going to conclude by listening to what, in my opinion, is Joe Cocker's uh, most entertaining and uh, danceable and terrific song. You may not be a Joe Cocker fan, and it's okay. You'll love this song. A little bit of Strangers on a Train, Hitchcock Railway.
Go away. 